0: All right, now, now I'm going to begin. All right, so I'm going to be talking about drugs today. The I know, right? They exist. And uh, now some of you guys might be thinking, all right, like, why are we talking about drugs? Because we all agree that meth and heroin is bad, right? We agree. We agree that, right? Everybody? There's still no reply. Everyone's like, it's okay. You have a bad day. You need some meth? Okay. All right, we're talking about uh, we're talking about drugs, but this is the reason why, okay? We've been talking about, a, we've been doing a series, right? And the series is basically what the church doesn't talk about, but probably should, right? We talked about the LGBT uh, community, we talked about racism, right? This third one is, is drugs. Now, some of you guys might be like, okay, um, this is really not a big deal because a lot of us are in agreement, but this is the deal. The reason why we're talking about what the church should talk about, but uh, shouldn't, the church doesn't talk about but should, is because we want to be relevant to the community, meaning we do not want to be caught off guard with the types of things that will tempt this generation. We're trying to win back this generation, right? And whenever we see this generation being sucked away by something, we have to be able to know what it is and what, we're, what we believe about it and what the Bible says about it. Does that, is that cool? So this might not be relevant to you right now, maybe in middle school or high school. We don't have any middle school. High school, um, but in college, uh, and then when, when marijuana becomes legalized in all 50 states, it will be relevant to you. Does that make sense? And the fact of the matter is, the church uh, really hasn't come out with, um, like, all across the board. I meet a lot of Christians uh, that would you know, are okay with smoking pot, um, they don't, they don't come from it from a biblical perspective. They just kind of say, well, you know, it's not, it doesn't talk about it in the Bible. And that is true. So what does the Bible say about marijuana? Nothing. That's all I have to say. The Bible doesn't talk about marijuana. So what, so what does that mean? Does that mean that uh, there, the things that the Bible does not talk about, that we are, we have carte blanche, we can do whatever we want, we can do those things? Or does that mean we have to actually look in the scripture for principles to be able to guide us? I hope it. Think, I hope you think it means principles, because there's going to be a lot of things in our futures that we're going to have to d- deal with, right? That the scripture won't talk about. Like, what if what if cloning becomes an issue? Right? What do we what do we do with that as the church? Right? What if there's all these weird things that are happening, like sin, just you know, like different kind of drugs or different kind of scenarios that the world is kind of conjuring up or thinking up that the Bible doesn't talk about? Do we not address those things because they're not in Scripture? No, we have to. We have to deal. And we have to be reasonable, too. Now, But this is the deal. This is what I'm not going to say. I'm not going to try to give you all the scientific reasons why marijuana is bad. Because, you know, a lot of parents, they try to do that. You know, like, oh, you'll die. Um, you'll die. Um, you'll get cancer. Uh, you'll become, like, you know, homeless people. Like, they just make all these, you know. But then what do you guys do? Well, I know of, of a guy that's, like... a a pot smoker, and he's a professional, and he's you know he stays at home and he just smokes pot in his own living room. Not a professional pot smoker. He's a he, he has a career, but then he just smokes pot, right? And there's other successful people that we see that have smoked pot or that smoke pot regularly. So you just think, oh, okay, well that's that that's debunked. And then you read some article that some you know pothead puts on Facebook that says like you know pot doesn't ca- cause cancer, and you're like, oh, well it doesn't cause cancer, so that's wrong, right? So you come up with all these scientific excuses that people will debunk or people that are pro-pot or pro-marijuana or pro-drugs will debunk. So that's not what I'm going to do. I'm not, I'm not even concerned about those kind of things, right? The idea is that I want to, I want to talk to you as, as Christians. I want to challenge you as disciples, not as whether marijuana is bad in, in like scientific terms. So, for example... I could try to convince you, right, uh, but eventually you're going to do what you want if my, I, if my argument isn't strong enough. Right, so for instance, how many of you guys uh, count calories when you eat food? <laughs> Jungwon <laughs> and, <Kyung. laughs> and Kyung. Well, uh, I've been trying to eat less, less calories, right, to uh, be fit in 15. That's my goal, right? 15. I've been eating less calories. But then like the girls came over. It was like Christy and Grace and Alice and April. April I always forget April and Shania. They came over, right? And of course, they, they like to eat a lot. And so they're like, let's go to Smashburger. So we went to Smashburger and I ate a, sa- a hamburger and um, onion rings. And I found out that it was like 1,700 calories. In one meal? One meal. I mean, they ate way more than I did. They had, like, haagen milkshakes and stuff like that. They were at, like, 2500 so, uh But anyway, like, so it's really easy to say, you know, oh, you shouldn't eat that because of this. It's really bad for you, the saturated fat, blah, blah. You know, you have all these arguments. But you still eat it because you want it, right? It's not convincing. But I'm hoping that as Christians, if I say, you know what, this is the reason why we don't do it, because this does not draw us close to the Lord, then you'll be like, okay, well, that makes more sense. Why do I want to uh, eat less? Well, because then uh, my life, as far as the quality of my life, for my family, for my wife, right, my general health, my general well-being, kind of like what Will was talking about, that matters more than just what I want, right, or just the calories. Because I know extremely obese people, and it's, it's depressing, right, because they're not living a good quality life. So that becomes a little bit more convincing. So I'm hoping that your character, right, your discipleship as following the Lord is something that will be more compelling. All right, so let's talk about Ephesians 5, 8 through 20. This is a lot, and, and it does, again, mention nothing about marijuana. Oh, yeah, apparently he's made out of marijuana. I found that on the Internet, so it must be true. Um, let's look at the big idea. So the big idea, go back. The big idea is, okay, is it not going back? All right. Your life doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. So think of that as the overview. Okay, so let's go to Ephesians 5. Uh, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. I think that is, for me, the most relevant argument. Number one, why not marijuana? You live to please the Lord with your life. This is the first point. You can switch it. There you go. You live to please the Lord with your life. My clicker, it doesn't work. Ah. And I'm back. All right. So you live to please the Lord with your life. A lot of times what we do as Christians, right, especially in this day and age, we think of what can I get away with? What is the bare minimum that I have to do to make the Lord accept uh, accept me? Like, I don't need to... Oh, okay, I'm not going to cuss, or I'm not going to drunk, uh, be a drunk driver, but I will pirate movies, because pirate movies is, not, movies is not that bad. Right? Everybody does it. It's not a big deal. Or I'm going to burn CDs. Uh, you guys don't use CDs anymore. I'm going to rip music. I'm going to download music, right? You think about those kind of things. You're like, what can I do? How can I live my life as comfortably as possible, doing what I want to do without feeling guilty that the Lord is displeased? And I think when you, ask, when you start thinking in those terms, you're always thinking about the shortcut way out. You're always thinking about, okay, what, what do I barely need to do to, to be a Christian? Well, I read for five minutes today or ten minutes today. I feel better. I read the Bible, I mean. I read the Bible for five, ten minutes. I prayed before I went to bed. I feel better. Right? You're barely, just barely getting by. But it's obvious in Scripture, Jesus is like, I don't want just a little bit of you. Look at this Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is like, I don't want just a little bit of you. I want all of you. The rich young ruler is a great example. This guy comes in, obviously he's wealthy, uh, affluent, comes before Jesus and Jesus uh, talks to the guy. He says, good teacher, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, what? Sell everything you got and follow me. Why did Jesus Jesus want him to sell everything? Was it really that we have to sell everything we have? What, What was the point? He wanted his stuff. The rich young ruler wanted to keep his lifestyle, nothing to change, but still have eternal life. He wanted to make his payment, whatever it was, whatever Jesus asked him to do, and then have eternal life. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to do the bare minimum. And this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus says in that that passage, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then the rich young ruler walked away sad he walked away sad. Jesus looked at him and loved him and walked away sad. If we live our life barely making it, this is what our life will com- uh, uh, be the conclusion of. It will be, let's argue for everything that we want to do because it doesn't, it doesn't impede on, on following Jesus. Rather than saying, okay, let's flip the script and let's say, I want to live my life and um, everything that I do, I want to please the Lord. I want to look at my life. I want to examine my life and say, does this please the Lord? That changes everything. All of a sudden, marijuana is a non-issue, right? All of a sudden, drinking alcohol is a non-issue. Some of you kids like come to me and you have fake IDs and you're like, "Oh, but it's okay. It's not a big deal. I'm not going out and getting drunk." Yeah, but you're breaking the law. Well, I'm, it's not that. I mean, like everyone else is doing. Oh, it's not a big deal because in, in my college town, nobody cards you or nobody cares. They look at your ID and you could be you could be Asian and then in your ID you'll be a black person. You'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's come on in. It's fine." Right? You think because of that, your sin is justified. You're just trying to get by. But what it's really saying, if you think about it in terms of how can I live pleasing to the Lord, you're saying, oh, well, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. Because that doesn't please the Lord. That doesn't bring any glory to Him. In fact, that ruins His reputation if I did get arrested for a DUI and I was underage. Or overage. it doesn't, just DUIs aren't good. Anyway, you get what I'm saying? So you start thinking in terms of how do I please the Lord? And stop thinking, how, do, how can I get away with what I want? It says in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Do you not know that your bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, that's overdone, I know. People are like, oh, you're eating Burger King? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I get that, okay? But the fact of the matter is, I love this b- bottom. Uh, it says, uh, verse 20, you were bought with a price. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, at the end of 19, you are not your own. You were bought at a, pr- uh, bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. How many of you guys have ever seen the movie Les Miserables? There's this scene, especially in the old one with uh, Liam Neeson. Do you guys watch that one? It's like really old. It's amazing because there's this scene, it's it's in the very beginning, Jean Valjean uh, gets released from prison, but the problem is he has these criminal papers and basically he has to go and submit them, show them to everybody. And when you're a criminal, basically everyone shuns you. And he was stealing, uh, he got caught for stealing bread, I think that's why he went to prison, hard time. And he comes out and everyone treats him like a criminal and he goes to this priest's house um, who's the only person in that area that would feed him and this old decrepit guy, priest, opens the door and he brings him in, he feeds him food, right? And of course the wife is like, she is not happy. She's sitting there, like, freaked out, looking at this criminal, right, eating, and the, the, the priest is trying to be, like, gracious and godly, right, and then basically says, oh, where are you sleeping tonight? And he's like, I don't have a place to stay, and he's like, you're going to sleep here, and then the wife's like, ah, oh, you know, and, but, but he forces him to sleep here, but he's not grateful at all. He's just this hardened, dark man, right, Jean Valjean. Priest goes to bed, wife goes to bed, uh, Jean Valjean goes, lays in the bed, he's looking, he's not sleeping, gets up in the middle of the night, creeps downstairs, steals the silver. He begins to steal the silver. The, the priest comes downstairs, hears, you know, noise. He comes downstairs to check it out, and Jean Valjean strikes him, knocks him out. Old guy. Um, and then takes the silver and runs, right? It was all like the silverware, all that stuff made out of silver. Next day, he comes back uh, because the police have him, and they come to the priest's house, and he said, he knocks on the door. He says, is this your silverware? This, did this man steal from you? And of course, you know the priest has like this big black eye and like you know like you know he's like no Jean Valjean I am very upset with you and of course Jean Valjean's like oh crap here it comes right he's like I'm very upset with you you forgot the candlesticks. And so he started grabbing the candlesticks, the big silver candlesticks, sticking them in his bag. And he's like, so this man didn't steal from me. He's like, no, it was a gift. It was a gift. And he forgot the candlesticks. I'm very upset. And the wife's like, ah, Like <laughs> the whole time. The, she's this old lady. She's really mad. And he's like, you know, and then the cops like, okay. And then so they, the cops leave and he grabs Jean Valjean. And you can tell, I love the priest because he's not like this, like this happy, soft, like, oh, Jesus loves you. He was just, he grabbed him. He says, I have bought you with a price. I have bought you from darkness. And now you belong to God. jean like okay (laughs) and then he makes it you know jean the story becomes that he becomes this godly man right but it was really really fascinating because it's like you were bought with a price if you claim to be a Christian I'm not talking about those in here that are on the border like you're not Christian that's okay I'm not talking to you right now this is a call to Christians right but if you are a Christian you say you know what Jesus I believe in you I accept your sacrifice. I am your disciple. I want to follow you, or my Lord and Master. Master, meaning I do what you say, and I want to follow you. That means you were bought at a price because your blood, your soul, has now been changed. It says in the beginning of Matthew, um, I'm sorry, Ephesians 5:8. For you were once darkness, but you are light in the Lord. Your status has completely shifted. You were dead, now you're alive. You were old, now you're new. That was bought with a price, meaning that Jesus had to pay something, God had to pay something. And what did he do? How did he pay for it? If you don't know this, then (laughs) I'm just going to close up shop. (laughs) Why? What did he pay? What price did he pay? His life. His life. He paid his life. So you were bought with a price, so you no longer belong to yourself. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So you're no longer thinking in terms of, what can I get away with? You start to think, what pleases the Lord? Everything that I do in my life, I'm moving towards pleasing the Lord. That's worship. Some of you guys are like, well, you know, I want to do this for a career. And you know that it's not going to please the Lord. It's really about yourself. Or you want this big, fabulous house. And you're like, I'm going to bring orphans to my house. But you're lying. There's never been. I meet people like that all the time because now I'm at the age where people are buying houses, right? All my friends are buying houses. And they, like, buy these big, luxurious houses. But they're like, oh, you know, I really see, like, youth ministry here like you are a liar you don't care about youth <laughs> you they just want an excuse right you put a jesus stamp on it you're okay no everything in your life needs to please the lord so if those things aren't there you need to give them up marijuana you can't just be like well it's okay because you know it's not really that bad the bible doesn't talk about it right you think okay does this please the lord how does this glorify the lord number two why not marijuana you have a purpose. And this is what a lot of Christians forget, because they think Christianity is all, well, like, young Christians, I guess, immature Christians. They think Christianity is all about not sinning. Well, the Bible doesn't talk about it, so it's, a sin, it's not a sin. And they want to argue with you about sin. That's not our, that's not our purpose. While we're on earth, we have one purpose. We have one purpose, and that's the mission of God. That is our major overriding purpose. The mission of God. We worship the Lord through the mission of God. We worship the Lord by our giving our bodies as sacrifices to the Lord. Knowing what he's called us to do as people. Yes, we will spend eternity worshiping him forever. Missions will not exist. John Piper talks about how there's no missions in heaven because all of that is past. But while we on earth, we have a purpose. Don't get distracted. Don't lose. Don't keep your eye on. Uh, don't. Uh, it? Take your eyes off the prize. Thanks. Nobody helped. Wait, did somebody say that over there? Don't take your eyes off the prize. Like this thing with the LGBT community, the homosexuality and and racism and all this kind of stuff. We want to debate and make America a Christian country. Uh, Countries aren't Christian. People are Christian, right? Our constitution is not going to be saved. We're not going to be in heaven and be like, oh, there's our constitution floating around. (laughs) Glory! (laughs) People get saved. Our country is filled with people. We get so distracted, and we want to make everybody like us. But we don't care about souls. We want to fight against gay marriage, which I get, I get, I get why Christians do that. You know, it's between a man and a woman, yes. But the fact of the matter is, we're so losing our—we're taking our eyes off the prize. The prize is that the gospel will be spread throughout the entire earth. And we stop preaching the gospel, and we start marching against gay people. Don't get distracted. What is marijuana? What are drugs? A distraction. You cannot deny, man, I was a pothead for years. Smoked pot every single day. And I was distracted. I had nothing. (laughs) I was, like, doing nothing with my life. Right? And some people are like, oh, it's creative and all this kind of stuff. But I think the creativity within you doesn't need to be harnessed by an external source as far as, like, marijuana. You know, I love that God is the creator of the universe. And, and, and the arts used to be all in Christian hands as far as, like, the most creative people, the most, the most uh, talented artists and musicians used to be Christian. But now we're all, like, catching up. So now, like, you know, like in music, everyone's comparing our bands with some other band. Right? You're like, this band is great. It sounds like Coldplay. Why do we need to be compared with Coldplay? Just have our own original music. Right? But now we're, like, we're chasing. So everything that's Christian is secondary. We are the God. We we serve the God of, of, of creativity. Satan is not, right? You have a purpose. Do not be distracted. Isaiah sixty one one. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness, for the prisoners. More and more, you guys are seeing as you guys do ministry, like in Masoit or uh, um, down to, uh, downtown in the Augusta, uh, the South Augusta Mission Center. You go to these places like in Peru and Nicaragua, and if you've traveled to other places, I know Hitech has traveled a bunch. Josh Cooper is about to travel to eleven countries in eleven months. Some of you guys have traveled overseas. Michelle, you went to Cambodia. As you guys start to see, you see broken-hearted people, you see messed-up people. We're losing the prize. We're losing the focus. When it's all about our comfort, we got to fight about. We got to fight for what's mine, what I deserve, and what I. Wrong, man. It's the wrong mentality. Marijuana is a, a, a small, small issue. It's like kids, whenever you see kids that are really, 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 really selfish, they're spoiled, they're fighting for themselves, right? When you, as an adult, when you look down on it, you're like, oh, don't you get it? It's not a big deal. Just let her play with this. Okay, just hand it to your sister, right? It's not a big deal. As an adult, you can see that, but in the moment as a child, you're like, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. We're fighting for scraps. And that's what we do as Christians. We're thinking God is not good, so I'm going to get a boyfriend right now. And it might not be the right time, and the guy might not be Christian, but like he's treating me better than any other Christian guys. I'm not going to wait for you, Jesus, right? Because you assume that Jesus is not trustworthy. And the thing is, it's not it's not a, a conscious thing. You wouldn't walk around saying, "Yeah, I don't trust Jesus," but it's a subliminal thing. We have to focus. We can't focus on the selfish stuff. We have to know that God will give us even far more than we even ask. And then number three, why not marijuana? God commands it. Remember when we talked about the LGBT community uh, three, four weeks ago? Right? The fact of the matter is, for a Christian, the, uh, homosexuality is wrong. It's sin. The Bible says it. right? And, and for those people that argue that the Bible's not, I mean, if you really knew how, where we got the Bible from and how and all throughout history, you would know that it's pretty safe and secure we have to decide if we are going to be the kind of Christians that choose not to believe in the Bible or we're going to be the kind of Christians that choose to believe in the Bible. If if we choose to believe in the Bible, then we need to study it, know it, and apply it. That's it. If we choose not to believe in the Bible, then we can do whatever we want. We're free to do whatever we want. And there's a lot of Christians like that. But this is the book, the Bible, right? The scriptures is the only way that we know precisely what God says. Because there's a lot of crazy people out there that says God says this, God says that, right? Have you heard of those like murderers that kill a bunch of people and said God told me to kill them, right? Basically, anybody can say whatever they want, but the scripture is what we know. Thank you for that. Scripture is what we know. (laughs) That's the first time I've ever seen that to that degree. But scripture is, is what we, but scripture is what we know for certain, right? And when we live by it, it has to guide us. So we either choose to believe it or we don't. We choose to follow it or we don't. It says, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. This is 1 Corinthians. In regard to evil, be infants, meaning be innocent, like don't do anything, uh, don't, don't know about evil, don't get involved in evil but in your thinking, be like adults. Um, Something that you might notice in here is that you guys, uh, a lot of you guys are high school and college and even the middle school, is that I don't preach to you like you guys are children. I don't think that in 10 years you'll be mature enough to follow the Lord. I think right now, and I expect it, and I think the Lord expects it. If you choose to follow the Lord and say, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm a disciple, He is my Lord, then you need to start acting, moving towards maturity. And this is maturity, not fighting for what you want. But giving everything over to the Lord, that's maturity. Stop, to th- stop, stopping, stop thinking about like, how you're afraid of awkwardness, but moving past it. Right? When somebody offends you, going to talk to that person, because that's maturity. Right? Giving money, even though you don't have very much money, that's maturity. Right? Reading the Bible and becoming disciplined, praying, spending time with the Lord, even when it's not fun, even when it's not exciting, that's maturity. When your faith is strong enough that whenever tragedy hits, in your, hits your life, you lose a, pa- a family member, a parent, a sibling. When you become older, when you lose a child, when you lose your job and everything's falling apart, your faith is strong enough to be able to last that because a lot of Christians are not. Whenever the whole world, all the media, the Christian media or so-called Christian media like Fox News says, like the Muslims, we got to get them out. Or even Franklin Graham who posted on uh, Twitter that we need to um, stop Muslims from coming into this country. You need to stop thinking in ignorance and think, okay, what does this mean? How, how, what would a mature believer do? What would God ask, us, uh, ask of us? And I'm not saying that Franklin Graham's not mature, but the idea is he obviously haven't thought it through. When the nations come here, they receive the Lord. And lumping all Muslims together isn't helpful. That just, propiti- uh, just continues to, uh, to push his uh, uh, bigotry. The idea that we're all the same. So a Muslim guy, all Muslim people are terrorists. But I'm asking you to think in maturity, not to think like children, but think uh, as an adult, a spiritual adult, meaning I live for God, and I'm continually being shaped by the word in this community and being challenged. Stop staying where you are. I'm tired of your, like, you guys come to me, and I'm not saying I'm being impatient, but I'm just struggling with the idea that you stay where you are constantly. You know what you need to do. College students, when you come back from college and you're just like, I'm not growing at all. I wonder why. Do you go to church? No. Do you pray? No. Do you read the Bible? No. Do you have Christian friends? No, not really. We don't talk about Jesus, at least. Okay, so in what way did you think that you were going to grow at any point? Or some people are like, I don't know why my is not growing. Like, what, I'm, what God's asked me to do is not grow. Oh, well, are you committed? Do you show up on time? Do you care? Do you sleep? Do you have a good, good sleeping habits? And I'm, I know I'm talking about discipline, and it's not all this to be saved, but to continue to grow in the Lord, you can't stay the same. You can't be, at least be okay with it. You can't be okay with it. Three months later being the same, not even struggling to move towards it, I was telling my staff yesterday, is that we have to war against sin. We can't be okay with it. We can't see, like we were talking about point one. We can't just be doing what we can do to get by. Our faith requires much more of it. Jesus says, I want everything. Me and Pastor Hong had an argument because he was like, Howard, do you tithe? And I'm like, not here. He's like, why not? He says, it's kind of weird. The church pays me. I'm going to give them back the money. Like, they're going to give me the money. Like, give them back the money, right? He's like, that's that's not a, you know, so we argue about it. He's like, you need to tithe. If you were at my, uh, if I was the pastor, the senior pastor, I would make you tithe. And I'm like, if you were the senior pastor, I wouldn't be the pastor here. He was like this. I said, why? Because the principle of tithing is joyful giving, not mandatory obligation. And it's not even 10%. The New Testament uh, um, response to tithing is not 10%. It's 100%. Jesus gets all of me. When Pastor Hong and I got into an argument, it was, like, it was great because we argued and bring up theological points. And all. you know it says. and you know, <laughs> None of that really happened. But, but we argued, and in the end, he was like, okay, you're right. And I said, well, I'll pray about it. And so we, we started to, t- uh, to tithe to this church because we give money to missions and all this kind of stuff. But we're like, we started tithing to this church because we believe in this church. We believe what God has put in here and we want to invest ourselves into this church financially. But we see from that model in the New Testament, God requires 100%. There's no lukewarm Christians. There's no such thing. There's no pew-sitting Christians, people that just come to church and leave because that's a lot of you. You come to church and then you leave. You don't have community here. And some of you, when I say, when you guys are going off to college, because some of you have graduated, April, <coughs> going, going to college, right? You will be tempted to tell me how, because I ask, I do, hey, did you, go to co- did you go to church? And they're like, oh, yeah, I went to church. The real question is, did you get involved? Did you commit? Did you become part of that community? Are you operating in your spiritual gifts? Are you letting them have authority in your life? Or did you just go and sit in a pew, listen to a service, have worship, and leave? Because this is the, this is the thing. This is what uh, Sean mentioned today. Church, our worship service, is not about you. It's about God. And even then, it's not about you. It's about the congregation, the community. Like, I love, because uh, Sean and I were talking about worship. Um, Sean is taking over for Julian. Julian's leaving. Um, not moving away. He's just actually going to focus on school. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Jules, uh, but Sean is going to be the worship leader for, for here, and we were talking about it last night, and we were talking about how it is amazing that worship, right, when we come in here and worship, we are not just worshiping, you know, by yourself, because that's what oh, we think, you're just standing here, and like, I don't want to raise my hand, because what if my armpits stink, or what is this person going to think about me, or whatever, you just, and you think it's a personal experience between you, Jesus, you'll come out of the worship service, and be like, I didn't feel anything, I didn't feel like Jesus, no, 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 we are worshiping across history, From the very beginning of the church in Acts, we are worshiping across history with millions and millions of brothers and sisters in Christ, many of whom have lost their lives to follow Jesus. We are worshiping uh, geographically, meaning all across the world on this day, right, except for the time changes and all that stuff. But on this day, there are millions and millions of Christians uniting together, singing praises to our God. We We are worshiping across cultures meaning that there's all these different cultures. So you've got a black church. Yeah, maybe we're not integrated yet, right? We're, we're trying to be more and more multicultural. You look around here. But you've got entire black churches, entire white churches, entire Asian churches, Hispanic churches, all worshiping together. And when they sing the same song together, right, they're singing in s- single thought, in single word, in single praise, and hopefully in single heart. It's a powerful, powerful thing that we do on Sundays. So when you are a disciple, when you decide to follow Jesus, are you committing to the whole thing? Are you about the 100% or are you about getting by? Are you about filling up your time, doing all the things that you want to do and then giving your leftovers to Jesus when you feel, when you feel guilty or you're laying down in bed? And I get it. I struggle the same way, but I'm not okay with staying the same. It's like that thing that I told my wife, like, when we first got married, I was a terrible husband. First year, terrible husband. Second year, terrible. Well, first year, she didn't know I was a terrible husband. Second year, I was a terrible husband. She, she started to figure it out. Third year, terrible, fourth, you know, like, up until now. But slowly but surely, I've been getting better. I'm not a good husband yet, but I think by the time we're 50, I might be okay. <laughs> and so I told my wife, I'm like, like... Like, one thing you know about me is that I'm constantly growing, right? So be encouraged. If I suck now, I might be okay in 10 years, right? And she's still holding on. It's been, like, what, 16 years? 16 years? Question mark? <laughs> it's all a blur. It's so amazing. <laughs> and it is, it is, it is. But hopefully, like, like, and what I'm not saying is for those of you guys, guys that, are, that are wanting to grow and you're not willing to stay the same, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to those that are just stuck and not willing to move. That's who I'm talking to. If you, if you have a deep hunger to grow and you're struggling and fighting with it and, and going before the Lord with it, then I'm not talking to you. Be encouraged. You're growing. Right? But if you, if you have no desire or you keep finding yourself and you, or, or you're here and you're really convicted of the Holy Spirit moving in your heart and then you leave and do nothing about it, I'm talking to you. You come back every like month and you're just like the same as you were lot, or maybe even worse. Right? Or doing, or making excuses for all the crap that you do, even though that you know it's wrong. Right? So hopefully you see, like when I was talking about drugs, I was kind of tricking you. We were going way beyond drugs. Because right? marijuana, it doesn't glorify the Lord. Right? When it becomes legal in our country, you will have to make a decision, and you will have to make an honest argument of why you don't smoke pot, or why you do. But the fact of the matter is when I was smoking pot, it was not because I was, it was growing me and changing me and helping me closer to Christ. It was because I was running away. I hated who I was, and I hated my life, and I was self-destructive. And some of you guys, maybe you're not self-aware enough to know whether or not you're really displeased with your life, but I don't need marijuana anymore. Every time I see my wife, and she smiles at me when she's happy, when she smiles at me, I get high. <laughs> and then when i know i'm like and then when and then when i and then when i worship when i, when I worship with you guys listen shh, sorry about that and when i worship with you guys when i worship you guys like in the mission retreat man uh on that last night that thursday night response where you guys are all weeping in front of the cross it was really beautiful um and but just singing with one heart like i was high like spiritually high like the lord really like met with met me there I was really encouraged. You know, when I hang out with my guy friends and we challenge each other in our faith and we pray for each other. On our birthdays, we, we always affirm one another. This is, what God, this is what I see God doing in your life. We tell each other that. And of course, Joe, he's really emotional, even though he's like a real tough guy. He's always crying. So our goal is to make him cry every birthday so he feels less of a man. Just kidding. But we really, we, we affirm. When, I, when that happens, I, I feel that. I don't need anything else in my life. And for some of you, it's not marijuana. For some of you, it's other addictions like your phones, like your devices. You're constantly distracted. Uh, one of our, um, our young adults in our, in our college group shared, um, it was really, I really appreciate it. It was really honest. He said, you know what? I don't have time to hear God because I'm distracted. Maybe you feel that way. If that's the case, don't stay. Marijuana is not the only drug. Phones apparently are drugs too. All right. So let me pray for you guys. We're not going to have small groups today. We're not going to have discussion. Um, you guys can discuss it amongst yourselves. If you want to debate me, I would love it. Um, meaning, like, we'll discuss it. Like, talk about it. If you disagree and you really want to smoke pot, then I would love to talk to you. Um, <laughs> um, and then we, we, could, we could really discuss it. But, um, but other than that, um, we're going to have a party for Andy. And we want to pray for Andy. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for us first, and then I'm going to have Andy come up, and then I'm going to have people that want to pray for Andy uh, gather around him and pray for him. Is that cool? So hopefully there'll be a crowd of people, so not just one person, just, okay? (laughs) Lord Jesus, thank you so much for today. God, thank you that you've called us far beyond the bare minimum. God, you've called us to be a passionate people, a people that live in sacrifice but also in joy. We're recognizing that we do not need the things of the world to fill the emptiness in our heart. That you designed us with that emptiness to yearn for you. That these things would turn us towards you. And so I just pray, God, for all of us that in the moment of need, in the moment of brokenness, in the moment of desire, of distraction because of unhappiness, Lord, that we would turn to you. That we would remember and all of these things would echo in our brains. That you would remind us over and over and over again whatever our so-called drug might be, that we would turn to you and that we would be 100% Christians and not just bare minimum Christians. I just thank you for all that you're going to do. And I just pray for our leaders, God, that as they guide our students, Lord, I just pray that they would be uh, incredible models uh, of this in action, this desire for growth, to be more like you, to, to yearn for this sanctification, this process of being more like your son. So we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Andy, come on up here.